Hey, this is Kevin Weatherby at Save the Cowboy. I want you to tow that stirrup, throw a leg over the candle, take a deep seat, and pull your hat down tight. I ain't gonna tolerate no whining or griping, so let's all strike a long trot down that narrow trail and learn how to ride with God. Come on! What you waiting on? Let's go. Kathy, you might, uh, you might hold Ty's hand. We're fixing to talk about a lot of water. He might get a little nervous, and so, you know, if he starts shaking or something, you know, if he starts to run off lane, just heal him up and tie him down. Uh, I, before I met Christy and everything, I had the opportunity to go on a cruise to, to Cozumel, Mexico. And, and a cruise is just as cool as it gets. I mean, I don't know if any of you have ever been on a cruise ship, but, uh, there is one thing on a cruise ship that you have to go and see. Their toilets are about this big, and they can suck an elephant down. It's the coolest thing ever. I felt like Beavis and Butthead because I flushed the toilet like 14 times because you could like, it'd pull your hair forward when it, you didn't want to be sitting down on that. I guarantee you'd jerk about four feet of your large intestine through that if you flushed it and you were sitting on top of it. It was, it'd kill you, I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure it'd kill you. And so anyway, when I got through with the toilet, flushing it 14 times, um, Anyway, we had a great time, and it's just, it's a self-contained city. I've never been on such a big boat, and it was cool to finally get away. This is where Ty's going to have to uh, need some encouragement. But when you got away and you couldn't see land anymore, and I tell you what, they, you have to dress up one night to go to dinner. It's called the captain's dinner. Well, we all took a sport coat and a tie, and of course, we had some starch stranglers, and we looked so good. We just dressed up every night, and we were the head of the place, because you just, you generally don't see about 10 cowboys walking into a dining hall in their lids and their sport coats, and you know, after a while, they started playing sharp dress man when we came in. Look at us, Chris. Yeah, it was pretty cool. And, uh, Anyway, it, it was me. Everybody was married except me and the guy that I roomed with. His name was Jack Allen, and uh, you know he's from Texas. If his, you know, if his name is two two names, Jack Allen, Larry Don, Billy Todd, stuff like that. But me and Jack Allen, we roomed together and everything, and we had a great time. It was uh, one of the cool things is they had a, a a deal called muster drill, and when you first get on the boat, you have to go and there's a life jacket, and you pull a life jacket out, and then they uh, send you to a certain area in case the boat starts sinking. You okay, Ty? It, the boat starts sinking, <laughs> and and you got this life jacket on, and I promise you, man, that life jacket is about that thick. I mean, my hat was like up here when it was on me. Of course, we, me and Jack Allen, we made it look cool. We walked up there. We was the first one to the mustard station. There was no hot dogs at a mustard station. There was just about 10 chairs. Well, I didn't know how many people's on this boat or anything, so we got there, and we sat down, kicked back. We looking cool, saying howdy to people. And anyway, some more people started showing up, more people started showing up. And then the, this family came, and it was a, a mom and a dad, and it looked like two daughters or a daughter. We found out later it was a daughter and a friend. And I don't know, I mean... They, they were probably 15 or 16, something like that. But, you know, it doesn't matter where you're at. If you're a cowboy and you're sitting down and there's some women standing up, you always offer your chair. And so anyway, we stood up, here, here, y'all take these chairs. And they're like, no, no, no. I was like, no, you know, y'all take them. So the girls sat down. And for the rest of the cruise, that whole family called us their cowboys. Hey, there's our cowboys. Hey. And it was really cool. Well, one night we went into Cancun. 
from Cozumel. It's just, you know, right across this little inlet deal. And we went into Cancun, and we went to a bar called Senior Frogs, okay? Now, um, you, you turn 10 Texas Cowboys, eight of them being married, two of them not, turn them loose in a Cancun bar in the middle of the week called Senior Frogs, and there's liable to be a good time. Or you would think that there would be. You know, we got there about dark, and anyway, we walked in there, and it was just, it wasn't really happening. I mean, they had some kind of Caribbean music playing, you know, and everything like that, but it was just kind of dead. There was some people sitting at some tables, a couple of people sitting at the bar, and just kind of, you know, we sat around, and of course, we knew the people that we were with, you know, there were about 20, 25 of us, and uh anyway, there had to be 24 because it was all groups. There was no Mormons with us, and... um that was funny. Golly. Anyway, I'll probably catch grief over that one. Don't care. And anyway, uh, it was funny. And so anyway, we get there, and, and, and we, we, sit, we sit around there for about 30 minutes, and we're like, man, this stinks. This is boring. And so I look at Jack Allen, and you know, I look down the way, and there's all these couples, and everybody's visiting. And we dance a little bit and stuff like that. But I told Jack Allen, I said, look around, dude. And he looked around, and there's just this table, and this table, and this table, and this table. And every table, you know, has somewhere between two and six, maybe eight people. And everybody's just visiting with their own table. I said, where do you think all these gringos are from? He goes, I don't know. I said, you want to go find out? He goes, yeah, why not? So we walk up to the first table, and it's this, come to find out, it's a grandmother and her 16-year-old son. She had taken her 16-year-old son on a cruise for his 16th birthday, which I thought was double cool. And so, you know, we both take our hats off. Hey, I'm Kevin Weatherby. Jack Allen says, hey, I'm Jack Allen Joyce. And they introduce themselves, and they happen to be from, you know, close to Houston, Texas. So we're sitting there talking back and forth, and we tell them, man, this is just boring in here, and we just wanted to go around and meet everybody and see where everybody was from. And they're like, oh, well, thank you, because, you know, we're trying to have a good time, and we really don't know anybody because it's just us, but it's really nice to meet some some new people. And I was like, you know what? It was a pleasure to meet you. And Jack Allen, of course, he's, a, he's kind of a Casanova, and it don't matter if she's a grandma or a granddaughter. You know, he's like, you dance, ma'am? She goes, actually, I do. He said, would you like to go dance with me? She said, I would. And so she got up, and him and her and Jack Allen went out there, and they danced his about half a song. And then he brought her back, and I sat there and visited with the grandson while they were gone. I didn't dance with him. And uh, <laughs> y'all are tough, man. We're going to have to start giving some, like, nitrous oxide. you got to take a whiff of it before you come in. Good grief. And so anyway, I, we go to the next table, and we're like, Hey, you know, I'm Kevin Weatherby. I'm from, you know, Fort Stockton, Texas. And, you know, Jack Allen introduces himself and we start talking to them. Where are y'all from? You know, blah, blah, blah. And they were from Texas too. <laughs> Everything like that. And we, you know, we go to the next table. And I mean, it, the tables are close by. So everybody at the next table can hear what we're saying. So by about the third or fourth table, they know what we're doing. And so we get to about the fourth table and they stand up and introduce themselves first. And they're like, hey, we're so-and-so. We heard what you're doing, man. Yeah, we're from, and I mean, we don't even have to say a word. We get to the fifth table, and there's a round of drinks waiting for us. I'm like, hey, this is a pretty good deal. You know, and so we sat there, and we had a beer with those people. And yeah, great, that that was the bigger, that was the bigger table. And we sat down with them, and, you know, we're laughing and everything like that. And before we can get to the next table, you know, the grandma's calling us back over first. 
And they're like, hey, we found out that they live right next door to us because they started talking to the next table over because the conversation was about these two cowboys introducing themselves to everybody. Thought Ty had done fell out or something. And anyway, so uh, anyway, we make it all the way around this deal. And by the time we got to the last table, people were up. They were mingling. They were talking to each other. They were having a great time. It was one of the funnest bar experiences I've ever had. And if you think that this sermon is going to be about drinking alcohol or something like that, you are sadly mistaken. Because I'm here to tell you that a lot of times, if you want to look, and you're going to have to use an open mind, and if you've even got a hint of religiousness-osity in you, you're going to have to, you know, maybe get another belt on your belt loop, because about what I'm fixing to say is going to kind of probably rankle your feathers a little bit. Do you know the greatest illustration of how a church should work is found in a bar? Because how many times do you hear people go, oh man, it's Friday night and I guess I better go to the bar. Shoot, I don't want to go up there. You don't ever hear that. But you know what? I, I, I'm, I'm going to make a bold statement and, and of course, or maybe a blanket statement, it's not going to fit everybody. You know that, and I know that too. But you know what? I don't think that most people go to a bar to drink. They go to meet people. They go to get away from the worries and the struggles and the anxiety. They just want to get away for a little while and just forget about all their problems. And they know that the chances are high that they might meet somebody in there and strike up a conversation. You know, you walk into a bar, especially little bars and stuff, if you go there very much, it's kind of like cheers. Hey, Norm, you know, and stuff like that. People go there for the community. Now, granted, I will admit that alcohol probably allows them to relax a little bit and maybe a little too much sometimes, you know. Still, it's about the building of community. Wouldn't it be nice if that is how church, and I'm talking about the service, was, that you couldn't wait to go to Sunday mornings? Now, I know that a lot of you feel that way about Save the Cowboy or watching online, or I, I talked to Brandon Spector he listens to us on the on the radio. Um, and anyway, but wouldn't it be nice if we had that type of community? I mean, look around where, and, and I'm basically just talking to y'all in the line camps. Do you know everybody in here? Can you get up and go introduce yourself? Because that takes a little bit of courage to do. Because, I mean, just walking up to somebody, I was talking to Melissa and, and, and Trevor the other day, and Melissa was telling me, oh, Trevor drives me nuts. He'll just see somebody and walk up there and go, what's your name? <laughs> you know, but I think that that is cool. That That's nearly a gift, and you can't have no pride in doing that. Trevor will also walk into your trailer and nose through it and stuff, because I've been there with him at the state stock show or fair. Look at that trailer over there. Let's go look at it. Just walks up in there. I'm like, Trevor, you're going to get us killed. Nah, it'll be okay. <laughs> I would be the first one to die. <laughs> Trevor would be like, I don't know what happened. I just went out in that trailer. They shot Kevin. But wouldn't it be cool if we could do that here? Look around you. I mean, there, there's people sitting by you that you have no idea who they are. They could be from the same place that you are. They could be nearby. You can make new friends. You can make a community. It would be awesome if we could do that. How can we do that, though? Is there something that can back that up in Scripture? 
I think there is. Look in 1 Peter chapter 5. 1 Peter chapter 5. And let's, uh, uh, let's just start in 6. In, in 1 through 5, he's kind of talking about, you know, people, you know, if you've got an elder, um, you know, to be submissive to your elders, you know, like, like Ty's my elder, so I'm submissive to him. And uh, <laughs> I hadn't got the chance to wear you out in like two weeks, man. I've got I to gotta give him grief. Um, but, you know, it's talking about all this. And then right before verse 5 starts, um, it quotes, and it says, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. And then in verse 6, it says, Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. What does it mean to be humble? And I, and I think that there's a bad thing in Christianity where a lot of people think that humility, you know, means... Uh, Riley used to have this blue healer dog named Holly. And when you went to pet her, when you went to be nice to Holly, she would roll over and, and sometimes pee on herself. You know, that's not what humble is, okay? Humble does not mean that you have to cow to anybody or anything. It just means not thinking too highly of yourself. And I promise you, if you wanted to go from table to table to table to table, you've got to humble yourself because you're going into somebody else's, you know, personal space and you're, hey, how are you doing and everything like that. It's hard to be humble because our pride, you know, you, you can't be prideful and humble at the same time. God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. I mean, it takes courage to have humility. It takes courage to walk up to somebody and say, hey, you know, I'm Kevin Weatherby. What's your name? And you know what? I would venture to guess that 99 out of 100 times that interaction is going to turn out great, especially in this setting right here. Hey, I'm so-and-so. Can you be humble, or do we think that we're too good to go talk to somebody's, or go talk to some, to go introduce yourself and shake somebody's hand? You know, oh, well, they're not wearing a cowboy hat and everything, so they're probably not like me, or they don't like me. Some of the greatest people in this world that I know don't wear a hat, and they wouldn't know how to climb on a horse if you showed them how four times. Can you just go up to somebody just because Jesus told us to love our neighbor? Can you just go up to somebody and say, hey, I don't know you. What's your name? It's a lot harder than it looks, but it's a lot easier. And you know what? The benefits to it are astounding. Because then, when you start knowing people, that's one thing about Save the Cowboy that I wish y'all that are watching online, um, I, I pray that one day y'all will be able to come here and experience this. That's what a lot of people say. They walk in here, man, and all of their friends are here. Or, you know, they know a lot of people, and they just talk, and they talk. But it takes a lot of courage to be humble. But God says, humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand. In other words, if you're going to humble yourself under God's mighty hand, that means you're going to do what he says to do, because God is out to make us soft. And I don't mean soft. I'm talking about in horse terms of being soft and being able to give. A lot of people say, well, I can't hear what God's telling me to do, but you're always braced on what he says. You want to learn what God wants you to do? Read his word. Somebody that says, I've never heard God has never read his word because this whole Bible is speaking to you and you alone. It's for all of us. But God wants to, if you want to listen to what God wants you to do, if you want to be able to hear his voice, we must humble ourselves and start listening closer. And one of the greatest ways to do that is to start doing what he asks us to do and love our neighbors. Go up to somebody because you know what? It's not just in a bar that people are hurting. There are people in this church right now that might not 
a lot of people, but they're lonely, they're anxious, they're trying to figure out what God has planned for them, just like you are. And wouldn't it be awesome if we could come together as an authentic church and then spread that out into the community? I can tell you that we must be making some type of impact because on September, it's September 27th, right, Dale? September 27th, they're having this Elbert County Emergency Action Meeting, and they're going to need a bunch of volunteers to, you know, how to respond to a, a big catastrophe. And Lord help us, <laughs> they have chosen what would happen if there was an actual threatening emergency at a cowboy church gathering. That's the way the county's going to practice. I figured that they couldn't figure out what there was a, an event that happened all the time where there was a great number of people together. But I think it's cool that they're doing that. But what would, I mean, we are making an impact on our community, but what more of an impact can we make if we were to humble ourselves and go out and meet somebody? How many times do we walk in, Patty Ann's, or y'all that are watching on the internet, walk into a deal, and you see that guy sitting all by himself over there eating? What would it hurt to walk over there and shake his hand and say, you mind if I join you, if you're by yourself, or if you're not by yourself? What would it hurt to walk over there and say, hey, man, would you like to join us? My name's Kevin Weatherby. It's hard. I know it's hard. And you know what? Most of the time when they do that, sometimes they're going to say, no, I'm okay, but it was nice to meet you. But the next time you see them, they're going to remember that. What we're talking about is we are talking about shining God's light. Y'all, you know what? I got out of the ministry when I started training ministers because that's what y'all are. My job is to train y'all because 300 people can make vastly more headway in this community for Jesus Christ than me being one person. And all you got to do is be nice to people. Introduce yourself. Man, go out on a limb. Because it says right here, God gives grace to the, or humble yourselves before God's mighty hand that he may lift you up in due time. God is going to bless you for that. He's probably not going to, you know, God works with action. No more than when Sean's back there working with the colt. He's got to get it moving to do anything. And you've got to get moving if God's going to do anything with you also. Shine that light in your community. No matter if you're in Kiowa, no matter if you're in Elbert, no matter if you're in Elizabeth, I don't care if you're in Castle Rock or Denver or Big Piney or wherever you may be in Delta. Shine light for God. Go introduce yourself to somebody. Tell them where you're from. Tell them a little bit about you. And then let them talk. Ask questions. Where are you from? How's things been going? Blah, blah, blah. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. But the main part that I wanted to talk about today is the next verse. Because it says this. Cast all your cares on him because he cares for you. Some of your versions may say cast all of your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Why would... Why would they put that in there right there? Cast all of your cares. Now, I'm going to ask you to use that gray mask between your ears for a second, and we're going to test your vocabulary, okay? If I were to give all of my cares, because that's what it says, cast all your cares upon him. If I were to cast all of my cares, what are cares? Anxiousness, worry, doubt, guilt, all of those things that make us feel bad, if we were to cast all of our cares upon him, what would that make us? Would it not make us carefree? I think it would. Now, that doesn't mean that we don't care. It just means if we cast all of our cares, it says cast all your cares upon him because he cares for you. One of the greatest 
parts of being a Christian is being carefree. Jesus said time and time and time and time again, do not worry for today has enough worries of its own. Don't worry about tomorrow. He said, come to me all of you who are weary and heavy laden and I will give you rest. How many times does Jesus have to tell us, you don't have to worry and be afraid and be anxious and doubt and all of that stuff. Why are you doing that when all you have to do is give it to me because you know what? All of that guilt and doubt and anxiousness and stress and depression and loneliness and all of that, you are not meant to take it on, but God sent his son to die on the cross that he could take all of it for us. Why are we walking around like that? And I'm not just talking about the personal benefit of being carefree, because I think we can all see the benefit of being carefree by casting all of our cares upon him because he cares for us. But think about what you would do for the kingdom of God. Now, let me ask you, have you ever, and I know you have, have you ever seen those Christians that walk around mad at the world? You walk around and they're like, yeah, they just want to point out sin everywhere and rah, 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 rah. They're just mad. They're just ticked off all the time. They're like Fiona. They got their ears pinned all the time. Just, you know, I mean, the good news of Jesus Christ ought to make somebody, that light shining through us, somebody needs to run up to us and go, what do you have that I don't? You can tell them, Jesus Christ, my Lord and Savior, I get to cast all my cares upon him because he cares for me, First Peter 5. Seven. And they're like, how do I get that? Because I'm sitting here and I'm just plumb snowed under. I'm hobbled. I'm hung up in a stirrup of, of worry and guilt. And I don't know how I'm going to pay my bills. I don't know how, I don't know what's going to happen with my kids. I don't know what, how I'm going to move forward. And you can say, man, you just give it all to God. He wants you to give it all to him. And if you were to walk around carefree, you would have a smile on your face. You would walk around a little brighter, and people would want what you have. And they would come, and they would ask you how to obtain that, and you can just let the Holy Spirit lead you, and I don't care. You can tell them, look, man, I ain't real sure how I got it, but there's a skinny cowboy church, and he'll tell you how I got it, so come with me to cowboy church. I'll introduce you to some, all, some other people. Well, I don't like to go to church because it's full of hypocrites. Like, well, I don't know if we got any hypocrites, but we got a lot of people that were dead that now are alive because Jesus didn't come to make bad people good. He came to make dead people alive. If morality, morality is not the goal of Christianity, you being good is not why Jesus died on the cross. Jesus didn't die on the cross so that you would be a good person. Jesus died on the cross because you were once lost in sin, and when you accepted him as your Lord and Savior, then you were able to cast all of your cares and doubts and anxieties and worries on him because he cares for us, and then you get to enter the kingdom of God. You have become the righteousness of God, not based on what you did, but because what his son did on the cross. God says, I will remember their sins no more. We ought to be all walking around like, hey, this rocks. This rocks. Morality is not... The goal of Christianity, it's more like that stuff that you, you get after eating Cheetos, that stuff on your finger, that real good stuff. I mean, most people will be moral if they are a Christian, but that is not the goal. It's not the goal at all. The goal is to have him come in and save our lives so that we may abide in him 
And everything that he finished on the cross, he died for us. And most of us are carrying around this weight and this burden and this guilt and this anxiousness and this stress for some reason. I don't know. If I had this clever little deal illustration of why we do that, I would. I think it's just stupid. And I'm just as guilty as the next person. He died on that cross to take all of that stuff from you. He said, give it to me. Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, for it is light. My ways are easy. <laughs> Think about this. He said, my ways are easy. Well, let's see. God commanded me not to be afraid. He commanded me to come to me, come to him, all who are weary and heavy laden. He told me that I didn't have to worry. And he said that I could give him all of his cares or give him all of my cares. Yeah, this, this Jesus stuff, man, it's tough, isn't it? Wow. Man, if you have been taught in the past that Christianity is about morality and it's about not doing this and not doing that, your job as a Christian is to get right up behind Jesus Christ and follow him down that narrow trail. That's what we should do. Cast all of your cares upon him, for he cares for you. Hi, this is Lovey Weatherby. I call myself the worst preacher's wife ever, but Kevin calls me his better half. Confused yet? Well, you shouldn't be. All you need to do is go to SaveTheCowboy.com and you can find links to our live church broadcast each Sunday morning. Or you can go back and listen to this service or any others that you missed. Did you know my man is the author of four books? You can find them all, as well as sermons on CD, by clicking on the store link at SaveTheCowboy.com. On behalf of Kevin and Save the Cowboy, thanks for listening. Hey, do you have horses? If you do, then you need to call my friends Rod and Brenda Denning at Hitch and Post Hay. This is where I get all of my hay and Fiona loves it. Call them at 303-324-8217 and tell them that you heard about them from Save the Cowboy and they'll donate 5% of the sale to our mission to reach cowboys and cowgirls. Give Hitch and Post Hay a call for premium quality horse hay at 303-324-8217.